the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. It's the end of earnings season. Sort of, kind of, not really. We're three weeks in, and earnings are holding up. But we're still waiting for inflation on a monthly basis to come down. Interest rates have moved up again, and there was a lot of talk yesterday in the world of financial media that the Fed has lost control, that they should not have been raising interest rates, and Pacific West was down 50% yesterday. There's a lot of talk that the SEC should ban short selling on regional banks. Typically, if you're a purist on Wall Street, you don't believe that anything should ever be stopped or changed, like putting in rules to temporarily protect regional banks, stopping shortage, shorting them. It's tough to say because I'll tell you what, fundamentally, there's nothing wrong with these banks. And they're just getting shorted out and just dumped on. And the idea is that 50% of Americans are really skittish on their money deposits, their cash deposits. And they're, they're rethinking, do I really want my money at a regional bank or do I want my money at a big bank like a Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley or Bank of America? And just the smell of fear is becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yesterday, the NASDAQ, SP 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average were all down. Nothing dramatic. For the year, we're having a pretty good year on the NASDAQ, and we're having a pretty meh year on the Dow. In between is the SP 500. What's bizarre about the SP 500 this year is most of the gains inside the SP 500, roughly 8%, many of them are coming straight from Apple and Microsoft because it's market weighted index. So it's a little bizarre. I'm being honest with you. Britain's economy rains on King Charles' parade. Oh, I don't know how I even feel about this deal. Inflation is still very high in the UK. 10% inflation, labor unrest, never-ending drizzle. Britain's economy is experiencing some of the slowest growth of any wealthy country. Small business owners and hospitality companies are counting on King Charles' coronation tomorrow to boost, if not uh, um, revenue, if not at least morale. It's worthy of note that the UK is also taking Monday off to kind of like, I guess it's good to be the king day, right? And financially, that takes a pretty big hit on a country. Holidays hurt economies. I know, I know, I know. There's some holidays like Christmas, which help holidays, uh, help the economies, but we're not counting that one. What do we have here? King Charles' net worth is the subject of a lot of intrigue. It's estimated to be about $1.4 billion. But that's tough to put a number on. 
What else do we have? Johnson Johnson wakes the IPO market up. Wake up, IPO market. When you have a down year like we had in 2022, companies don't want to come public. Companies want to uh, become initial public offerings when things are sexy, when things are good. But Johnson Johnson's consumer health business climbed 22% yesterday in the biggest IPO since 2021. If you have not heard, it's a company called Kivu. Kenview, excuse me. I missed an N the first time. It's everything that's basically in your medicine cabinet. It's Tylenol, Band-Aid, Listerine, Neutrogena, Aveeno, Benadryl. It's incredibly boring stuff that we consume for a long period of time over our whole life. Apple had a nice quarter. Apple scouring the globe for more iPhone buyers. People living in regions such as India, Indonesia, and the Middle East stepped up to the plate. Demand in emerging markets helped iPhone sales blow by expectations. Apple's total revenue fell for the second straight quarter and third time in memory of my head. Live Nation is doing well. Despite the most hated company on social media, Live Nation's revenue jumped 73% last quarter, an all-time high of $3 billion as demand for big-name concerts surged. You know, I want to take a shot at Ticketmaster in a good way. We all know they messed up Taylor Swift by letting, I guess, all 33 concert dates, 36 concert dates go on sale at the same time. They just also, and Congress called on the CEO of Live Nation, like, how dare you? I'm from the great state of South Carolina, and how dare you? My daughter wants to go to Taylor Swift, and you ruin it for her. Um, but they also sold tickets this for uh, this fall. There's going to be a big concert. U2 is going on concert to support, I guess, 25 years of Octoon Baby. And they're opening the Las Vegas Sphere, new musical auditorium. And those went on sale, and it went really smoothly. So they're trying to figure it out. Give them credit on that. And who who competes with them? Who competes with them? I don't own Shares of Live Nation. They have a lot of debt and they're kind of hated. But I would certainly look at potentially owning it for a long-term patient investor. But then there's always that idea that Congress can get involved. 48% of American adults said they were concerned about the safety of their money deposits in banks compared to 45% after the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers. Um, I'm the United States government's made a whole everyone who's I think it's 77 out of 78 banks now that have gone uh, illiquid. That's a pretty good batting average. And some people think the 78th one was made whole. Anyway, what do we have out there? Um, Discord told all of its users that they will have to change their usernames over the coming weeks. Don't know what that's all about. Google accounts no longer require passwords to access. They're setting up uh, more forms of biometric and two-form factor uh, approval. What else do we have today? Oh, it's Friday. That's right. Um, Apple, big winner. Uh, Regional banks, not so much. They're rebounding today, but they're still going to have a very tough week. Apple has risen 14% since March 1 versus 2.8% gain for the S&P 500, maintains that gain. Um, will there be eventually sell the news on a broader market? A pull down. 
we keep talking about a recession, but the jobs report this morning was strong. Um, headlines from the April employment situation report. Payrolls increased by 253,000. April private sector payrolls increased by 230,000. April unemployment rate was 3.4%. Persons unemployed for 27 weeks or more accounted for 20%. April average hourly earnings were up one half of 1%. Over the last 12 months, average hourly earnings have risen 4.5%. Average work week is an important one inside the data. 34.4 hours, right around 33, 34, 35 hours is when corporations say, you know what? We need to hire another worker. So that's what we have as far as the big headlines out there this morning. It's been a tough week to this point for the stock market. Entering today, the SP mid cap 400 is down 3.2%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 2.9%. The Russell 2000 is down 2.8%. The SP 500 is down 2.6%. The NASDAQ is down 2.1%. So not a headline banner kind of week in any way, shape, or form, huh? But as we open this morning, there's a big winner. Not big winner, nice winner. Um, Apple was trading up 4% out of the gate this morning. And again, Apple is a market-weighted stock, which basically means on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ that if Apple and Microsoft have a good day, those indices could have a good day. I know you're saying, but this is the S&P 500. You're telling me if 498 companies go down on a day that Apple and Microsoft can can cause things to move higher? Kind of, kind of. Um, it's not that simple, but it does feel pretty generous. Apple's trading up seven bucks right now, up 4.7%, technically breaking out. Um, do I expect it to run to all-time highs? No. Do I expect it to hit all-time highs in the next 12 months? Yes. Total broker advisor for take action on any stocks mentioned on this show. Dude. It just holds up terribly, terribly well. Apple does. Um, and people want to hold it because we feel very comfortable with it. Yesterday, they raised their dividend, not by a lot. I think it was a 4% dividend increase, but they also continued to announce big buybacks. And Wall Street loves the big buybacks. On top of it, they have some really incredibly sticky features. Offering 4.15% on your cash if you open a bank account through your Apple wallet is pretty attractive. And I, I can see a day where they suddenly Apple share offer shares of Apple or maybe shares of any stock, maybe an index fund. I don't see Apple ever going crazy. I see them slowly adding to the healthcare benefits of the watch, slowly adding to the financial benefits of the phone. Here's something that can mess them up. Their headset, their virtual reality headset. Probably coming out this fall, probably announced this summer um, at the World Wide Web Developers, uh, World Web Developers Conference. I could see the market have a negative reaction, but I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a hit. I already know virtual reality labs and colleges are clamoring to get their hands on it so that they can create movies, they can create um, jobs like civil engineering that use virtual reality to, to plot out new roads in your neighborhood. So Apple, nice quarter. Eh, not a blowout, but in this market, nice is pretty well, is, is pretty well received. 
You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening. This Sunday, join Rob Black in San Rafael for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with 500000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Dan Fetterman, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. My goal is to get you to retirement. It's very noble. It's kind of silly. When I was 20 years old, my goal was to get you to beat the markets. It's interesting how I've changed, huh? The show has slowly but surely become a reflection of me. And I think that's okay because if you're 50 years old and listening to the show, you're like, hey, I'm kind of like that guy. And if you're 25 years old and listening, you're like, I want to be like that guy. I have enough money to last till the day I die. I have enough money to leave my kids so that they'll have college paid for and or options in life that will make things a little bit easier. I don't know how I would be able to afford a home in today's housing market if I was 20 years old and just starting out my financial career. In the end, I got there, but it was always a struggle. I bought a home in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and 50s. So I guess I've owned one, two, three. Like, you see how it works? It's pretty interesting. One of my homes that I bought in my 30s was uh, a rental property. And I'm just about to pay it off. It's down to about $30,000, $28,000 left on the equity. Um, but at the time, it was $160,000 home. And I felt, wow, I'm buying a rental that I'm going to break even on for a couple of years. And then say 15 years later, it's almost paid off. And slowly but surely, I've been raising the rent and it's doing nicely. And, you know, it's probably in that, you know, it's doubled in price. Okay. Now that doubling, when I compare it to my property in California, it's like a 10% move in California equals a hundred percent North Carolina. You get the idea. Oh, for the record. And I, I figured this out recently and it's almost embarrassing to say out loud. When I bought a rental home in my head, it was always going to be, oh, I could end up living there if need be. If things don't work out in California, if I get married and a divorce and I drag my, if my, my business doesn't succeed, like if something goes bad, if there's a 10 year bear market, I could always go back to North Carolina. And what's interesting is I've never lived in North Carolina. I made the decision to buy a rental property there based on one thing. Uh, the music scene. It And when you buy in Raleigh, there's a college called NC State, there's a college called North Carolina, and there's a college called Duke. And they're all about 30 minutes from each other. And it's the research triangle. And the word research triangle uh, evokes jobs to me. 
So it was a younger community, college towns, which are very popular right now. Guess what? They were very popular 10 years ago and 10 years before that. No, they're not in the big city, but I couldn't afford the big city. I could afford the big city, but I chose not to. Um, you, you picking up what I'm putting down? Buy a home that you feel comfortable with in good times and bad times. I'm pro real estate, and yet I think some people in California are whacked out of their mind on real estate. I've seen people do interest-only loans and lose their home. I've seen people lose $400 to $800 a month on rent. So they buy a home, and they're they're paying the mortgage, but then they put a renter in, and the renter's paying less than the mortgage. I'm like, you're the nicest person in the world. (laughs) And that's not the way it's supposed to be done. I'm not saying you're supposed to be a slumlord or anything like that in any way, shape, or form, but you're not supposed to be upside down with the hope that it goes higher. Here's the thing on hope. If you find yourself using, I hope it goes higher, or I hope the stock does well. This might be slightly offensive, but I don't think it is. There's a saying on Wall Street, hope belongs in the church and on the football field. Not in the stock market. Now, what do I mean by that? The church, it means I hope there is a God. And I hope that when I pass that I get into heaven. There's no scientific proof, right? Or maybe some people say, oh, there's scientific proof. Look at this. Look at this. Okay. But I'm going with, I'm just going with the Wall Street story. Okay. Um, And hope on football. I don't play for the 49ers or the Warriors, but I do hope the Warriors win. Do you know why? Because everyone at the office will be happy and talking about it. That's my hope. And everything else is is just scientific for me. Um, I don't know if that helps you, but it's something you should think about. Right now, the biggest problem in the housing market are mortgage rates. It's that two years ago, you can get a mortgage for two and a half percent. If you have a fixed mortgage, you're set, you're golden, you're good. If it's two years old, if you have an interest only loan, you're probably hurting because you probably got it in the last two years and you've seen your interest only payment skyrocket on you because the interest only is tied towards interest rates and interest rates have gone up 500 basis points in 14 months. Now, if you're a young person and trying to get a loan, what you're saying is, well, what's the average mortgage rate now? It's six and a half percent, roughly. And that's way different than three percent. I could tell you the home that I'm in now. With a mortgage rate at two and a half, three percent, I can afford. But if I were paying six percent interest rates. It would take a it would cut a vacation or something. It would cut something out of my lifestyle. Approximately 82% of potential move-up buyers say they feel trapped by their current low mortgage rate. So if I wanted to move into a bigger home now, and I would have to give up my current mortgage rate, and there's no way. I'm not going to say you're going to have to pry from my cold, dead fingers my mortgage rate, but that's the idea. Anyhow, I have a big event coming up this weekend. You can sign up today. Today is last day to sign up. It is a Pints and Portfolio. It is in Marin. You have to register. There's 10 questions you have to answer. It's for people with $500,000 in assets or more. It is a free portfolio review checklist. And kind of let's meet out at a brewery, hope for some sunshine, get a little cancer on our skins, 
have an adult beverage, talk about what you own, how old you are, your income, your assets, your liabilities, your time frame. Do you want to leave money to your kids? What have you done to be successful? What have you done not to be successful? It's just financial chit chat. You learn the location when you sign up. You can sign up for it today. It's going to be in Marin this weekend, Sunday, one to four. Sign ups at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening. I hope to see you on Sunday. Um, and I'll send out a personal letter email to you once you sign up, um, if you qualify and, uh, it should be a good time. So, uh, robblackshow.com. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com powered by EP wealth. Some of the lessons that I've learned over time on wall street is something I want to pass on. I think you should be able to write down things you believe in. I like stock buybacks. I like stock dividends. In a good economy, I'll only own five to 10% of my portfolio in companies that are losing money. In a bad economy, 0% of my stocks will be in companies that are losing money. I can go on. And I think you should start writing down some of the things you believe in. Um, I don't believe in story stocks. Um, I I believe in companies that earn money. Yet we can look at chat GPT and artificial intelligence and what's happening there. And I made a strong case for it yesterday that in my opinion, the internet, when it came along in the 1990s and became pervasive in our society, What I believe it did was made Americans forget names of streets. It basically told us you don't need to remember stuff. It's already all out there. You just need to go find it. The Internet unleashed a huge productivity boom in the United States and the world. You could order a book online instead of driving to a bookstore. when you get to the said bookstore back in the day, you'd have to find to see if the book was there for you. I heard a stand-up comedian make a funny joke. Um, I got kicked out of the, uh, the bookstore for moving all the Bibles to the fiction section. I was like, that's kind of cute. I get it. I get it. But religiously, you're allowed to believe what you want to believe. And I'm allowed to believe what I want to believe. And I think that's all fine, right? But let's go back to the internet. Everyone pretty much has forgotten how difficult things were um, before we had it. Now with chat GPT, I think instead of being a super intelligent, it's going to kill us all. I think it's just going to make us a lot less intelligent. I've started using it with my children's math homework to quickly refresh me on whatever the formula they're being taught in math rational integers i'm like what's a rational integer and i can go find it on the internet but when i punch in rational integer it may come up with 25 choices where if i ask chat gpt what is a rational integer it'll show me it'll teach me the definition and then if i punch in the three-fifths plus one-six is equal to 19 what it'll answer it for me and show me the work it's pretty impressive now again I don't think we're going towards killer robots. I do think we're going to hit peak investment quickly here. 
every IPO that comes out in 2023, 2024 will probably have an AI angle. There's already some out there. Just like in the 1990s, there were too many internet companies. I think there'll be too many AI companies and there'll be a handful of winners. But I go back to the day of the internet and I remember vertical net, mama.com, global crossing, exodus, mama.com was exactly what it sounded like a website for moms. We don't really need that anymore, do we? If you're able to pick a couple winners in AI, you'll thump the market. We'll talk about them on the show on a regular basis. I promise. Right now, the one that's made the biggest move so far, Microsoft and NVIDIA. They've logged big gains, so you need to be a little bit more conservative. Now, yesterday, this was kind of interesting. AMD came out and said, you know, we don't have the AI chips that NVIDIA has. They have a big head start. But we are going to be working with Microsoft. And the way AMD does this, it's pretty interesting. They've worked with other companies before. And Microsoft will pony up some money. And then AMD will make the chips for Microsoft. They'll do research together. They'll collaborate, figure out what they need, how to make it specific to Microsoft's needs. And then AMD will get paid back what they put in and Microsoft will will get paid back ultimately is what it comes down to. So AMD made an announcement. We're coming. Would I throw some money in it? I, I, I possibly could. It's definitely on my short list of things that I'm looking at. So right now people are screwing around with chat GPT to see what it can and can't do. I've seen realtors use it really, really well. So if you're looking for an apartment and you call a realtor, hey, I'm looking for an apartment to buy somewhere in San Francisco. And she starts asking some questions like, do you want it near South Market? And you just go, yeah, South Market. She'll put that down into chat GPT. Find apartments for sale near South Market. Do you want it near a metro station, a BART station? Yes. And then boom. And the list will get tighter and tighter and tighter. And she doesn't have to go and search. She doesn't have to look at the parameters herself. She just punches them in and it does the searching and gives a list of the 10 apartments for sale right now at that specific set of demands. I think it's going to be huge with businesses. I think it's going to be huge for people who use a lot of data in their jobs. There will be a lot of jobs lost. I think there'll be a lot of jobs created. If I were under 25 right now, I would probably enroll in some sort of class. I would get some sort of speech on the internet talking about it. I would brush myself up quickly. People are going to start developing romantic relationships with chatbots. Young people will form attachments instead of with their chatbot versus humans. You're going to find a divorce or two happen because of chatbots. Wait and see. Crazy stuff is about to happen. Now, what we will lose in all this, much like when the Internet came around, it stopped our need for memory. Now that AI has been invented, it's going to stop our need for intelligence. What will remain is emotional intelligence. So if you're raising a kid who's dynamic, who's got people skills, I think they're going to be the power. I don't think it's going to be the nerd. I think it's going to be people who are able to present. College papers have gotten basically ripped up now because a professor can't ask to write a paper. 
unless he's going to ask you to prove a lot of your sources. And again, chat GPT will write hundred percent of the paper for you. And then you can just refine it and put it in your own voice. People will be lazy and won't do it. And they'll get kicked out of school. I think AI is just beginning and it's a good fun ride. I don't need outperformance, but I promise you I'll look for it for you. Um, and we'll talk about that probably in the next segment. How's that? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Yesterday, Pfizer said that they got an RSV vaccine. That's great. I think one of the things we did learn with COVID, and again, this is controversial for people, but I think mRNA technology is going to go a long way to fighting cancers, of which we all will succumb to it. One. Uh, at some point, if you live long enough, that's what they say, right? Uh, so I'm excited about science. Will I own Pfizer? Pfizer is a great income play, in my opinion. A little bit on the boring side, but great income play. And if that's what you need, you should start putting together a list and maybe ask ChatGPT to put it together the list of best dividend stocks for a 53-year-old man. And it'll come up with a list. Now, again, you got you to gotta work it. You got to refine it. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, I get a big event coming up in Marin this weekend. At the end of the month, I've got an event, a seminar uh, coming up in uh, on the peninsula in Palo Alto. So two events, you can sign up for both at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. The one in Marin this weekend is about portfolio reviews for people with $500,000 or more. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Today's Federal Reserve announcement, probably not going to have any surprises. The stock market is projecting a 100% probability that the Fed will approve a quarter percentage point increase, thus raising the target range to five to five and a quarter percent. What's amazing about this is this has been marching on since March 2022. Patrick is on. So we're about 14 months in. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare. We were starting to see some of the ramifications of higher interest rates, some of the risks that regional banks took. We've seen three of the four largest bank failures in the United States this year. Maybe more on the way from what the action on Wall Street is telling us. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing okay. Thanks. Good, good. Um, any mystery today with the Fed rate hike? Because it looks like it's a, almost a done deal. Mm-hmm. Well, there's still some mystery around it. Um, you know, the Fed funds futures market, to your point, you know, shows a pretty strong probability. It's north of 80 percent that the Fed will raise another 25 basis points. And I think that the Fed uh, doesn't like to uh, you know, necessarily surprise the market. And we'll see that kind of as a, as a tacit blessing to you know, to move ahead with this rate hike. Um, but where I, you know, what I'm referring to in terms of there being a little bit of mystery around it, though, is that um, I think that, you know, the, the, the price action in the regional bank stocks yesterday was quite unsettling. Um, there have yeah. been many reports that indicate that the Fed has access to a senior loan officer survey going into this meeting that the public does not yet have, but will shortly. 
Um, and so there's a little bit of chatter that, you know, maybe there's there's more to this regional bank story than, than meets the eye and could potentially compel the Fed to, you know, to not rate, raise rates uh, today uh, if they see something in that uh, senior loan officer survey that really, you know, gives them a, a credit tightening scare, if you will. Um, but beyond that, um, there's also some mystery in terms of what they're going to say to try to thread this needle of uh, perhaps pausing, but without giving the market license to rally too much, um, knowing that the inflation rate is still well above the Fed's 2% target. So it's a, uh, as I communicated in my page one column this morning, it's, you know, Fed Chair Powell has quite the communication job on his hands today. Uh, and there's, you know, Notwithstanding what the Fed funds futures market is, is suggesting the Fed will do in terms of the rate hike today, I would argue that there is still quite a bit of mystery around it. Interesting. Um, what are you expecting the Fed to do? Is the Fed going to do anything for the regional banks? Is that a, a Treasury secretary? Is there going to be any call to action here? Um, or do we just sit by and watch it happen one after another? Because that's kind of what it looks like from a distance. Yeah, I think it, you know, I think that uh, if it's not seen, you know, uh, you know, it could, there could be some financial stability risks without there necessarily being a systemic risk, I think. And I, I believe that's kind of why, you know, let First Republic go the way that it did. And you didn't, uh, and you're not necessarily getting the, uh, the explicit guarantee of deposit. It's kind of a de facto guarantee, but. Um, but I think that they don't want to perpetuate that moral hazard risk of, you know, always riding to the rescue. And, you know, from a, um, uh, you know, a systemic standpoint, as, you know, as much as people will hem and haw over it, you know, the, the, uh, those uh, too big to fail banks, if you will, are in good shape. And, uh, and that's, you know, probably an overriding consideration. So, um, uh, so I just, I don't think that they want to like necessarily come out and, and, and imply that they're just going to, you know, rescue every small bank, uh, that happens to go under here. Um, so, um, and that's kind of adding probably to the level of anxiousness among not only depositors at those banks, but also investors within those banks, um, which recognize that, um, you know, there may be more, trouble ahead as far as uh, worsening credit quality conditions uh, as a lot of commercial loans come up to be refinanced uh, and uh, will be refinanced at higher rates than when they were first originated. And that will create some added repayment burdens um, and some, you know, more credit stresses that, you know, are not yet showing up uh, necessarily in terms of, 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 you know, a debilitating widening in credit spreads or, or or anything of that nature, but which is, you know, one of those boogeyman's, you know, out there on the horizon and why I think that there's been a lot of uh, skittishness surrounding the regional bank stocks. So the Fed's looking at inflation. The Fed probably has their eyeball on loan origination out of regional banks, but the Fed also has their eyes on the employment reports. Friday, we get the jobless numbers. Today, we got an ADP employment change report. You wrote in your page one column at briefing.com where, in your words, what, what did you see when the ADP report? Was it positive, negative? Was it negative? It's good news for the market. Was it positive? That's bad news for the market. 
How do we read today's news? Well, you know, it should be construed really as a positive, I think, for the market, because it was a type of report that, you know, you know, threads the needle of, of a soft landing view. Um, you had some moderation in, in pay growth, coupled with some still solid increases in, in private sector payrolls. Um, but, you know, it might be that the 296,000 jobs that were added to private sector payrolls, according to ADP, could still be looked at as being too much, you know, as far as the Fed is concerned. Um, I think that they, uh, even though there's plenty of um, pundits who are arguing that the Fed doesn't need to mess with a good situation, you're getting good payroll growth and you're seeing, you know, a moderation in, in overall inflation and, um, and, and payroll and, and, you know, and wage inflation uh, without really the full impact of the prior rate hikes having, having hit home yet. And so, you know, they're kind of like suggesting, you know, you don't want to uh, over tinker here and invite a much harder landing. So, uh, but this report, I think, uh, should have been construed really more as a good thing by the market um, because it does fit that soft landing narrative. Uh, however, you know, you just don't know what the Fed is thinking yet. Uh, and I think that you've seen a pretty muted reaction in terms of the market environment today because everyone's really just sitting on their hands waiting to see what, um, what the Fed decides, uh, how the decision goes down. Will it be unanimous or will it be some dissent? And then, of course, what Fed Chair Powell says at his press conference. Yeah, that will be interesting because um, recently the, the action or the fireworks has been in the press conference. How about earnings season? Um, you obviously have a big job. You cover the markets with briefing.com, and we were at the tail end of earnings season, but there's still some big boys out there like Apple and AMD reported last night. I saw that you uh, put together little thoughts on earnings. How are they going? Well, they're certainly going, you know, better than expected. Um, you know, we come into uh, today uh, with um, – um, you know, the, the, the earnings, the blended earnings go, growth rate down about 3, 3.7%. So it's declined still. But when we were coming into the start of the reporting period, it was projected to be um, uh, down 6.7%. Um, so, so looking uh, pretty good in terms of just as far as beat rates are concerned. But, you know, the caveat, of course, is that estimates have been marked down considerably going into the uh, reporting period. And so, uh, so companies had a lower hurdle to get over, um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, one of the things that's kind of standing out uh, coming out of this period, though, is that you're not getting really any sharp uh, cuts to analysts' earnings estimates as we look over the forward 12-month period. I mean, in fact, they've gone up uh, since this reporting period began. So you're starting to hear a narrative that would suggest or that does suggest that the um, that the decline we saw in earnings estimates throughout most of last year, um, you know, that that has basically that, you know, the earnings downturn has been fully accounted for now. Um, you know, as you and I have talked about in more recent weeks, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because, uh, you know, we think that, um, you know, the, the, the lag effect of the Fed's prior rate hikes will will hit home, you know, more conservatively here in coming months, and then that will prompt a downward revision to earnings estimates. And, you know, one point on that, if I may real quickly, what's interesting mm -hmm. is that you have a Fed funds futures market right now that's pricing in the likelihood of three rate cuts before the end of the year uh, in September, November, and December. 
But that view is predicated on the idea that the rate cuts will be driven by a much weaker economic environment. Um, but what the conflict is is that you have earnings estimates uh, going up, you know, for the back half of the year. And uh, that just doesn't make sense to us. And so something is off kilter there. We'll find out, you know, soon enough, so to speak. But um, but it's an interesting dynamic. And uh, but for right now, it's been a source of stabilization for the equity market to see that there hasn't been a real uh, uh, significant cut to earnings estimates coming out of this first quarter earnings reporting period. This has been probably the messiest period of time that I can remember that the Federal Reserve is operating in when we start taking in layoffs and discharges and what sectors are doing well, what sectors are doing poorly and hiring. Um, let me just uh, end it there because we've got less than a minute. I'll give you a good plug. Thanks very much. It's briefing.com. It's Patrick O'Hare. He's with us every week. He's got a page one column, steady with an asterisk ahead of the FOMC meeting. He puts together a lot of research and ideas. Um on what the current market conditions are for briefing.com. He starts every day with his page one. He ends the week with his big picture. Uh, briefing.com also has earning calendars. They have breaking news and how it's in play. It's one of my favorite things to go through twice during the day uh, to see what they as a shop have found important to report to you, the investor. And uh, for instance, Starbucks brews up strong report. Uh, Starbucks brews up strong results in China. And uh, you get to learn a little bit more without having to listen to the conference call. I think that's super helpful at times. For people who want to check in on information, there's a big write-up today on AMD Advanced Micro Devices. Uh, we knew their numbers were going to be bad because the computer industry is struggling with desktops at this point in time. A lot of research out there, and you got to get your hands on some of I use briefing.com and others, but I really, really like Patrick O'Hare and briefing.com. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. This Sunday, join Rob Black in San Rafael for Pints and Portfolios, a less formal event at a local watering hole for those close to retirement with 500000 or more in investable assets. Drop by Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 for a little sunshine, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review or financial snapshot from Dan Fetterman, CFP from EP Wealth Advisors. Whether you're on the road to retirement or already there, this financial snapshot can provide you with a second opinion analysis of where you are and highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Go to robblackshow.com and click the Events tab. Find Pints and Portfolios and click to register. You'll answer a few simple questions about your situation and your confirmation email will provide all the details on the event and how to schedule your portfolio review. Space is limited and registration is required, so go to robblackshow.com today. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.